mentored by some of the best minds in entrepreneurship in the world, then you're listening to the right podcast, Ditch Digger CEO. We're going to be interviewing CEOs and founders who will be telling their amazing rags to riches stories. These entrepreneurs who dominate the industries they serve will be sharing the secrets to their success. We'll be talking to millionaires and billionaires, many who started with nothing. You're going to be mentored with golden nuggets of shared experiences from my guests, whose time is worth thousands and even tens of thousands of dollars per hour. I started in the paving business right out of high school. And with no college education, mentorship has been my education of choice. I started over 25 companies in the last 20 years, have generated over $1.5 billion in revenues. My guarantee is this. If you listen to Ditch Digger CEO and you want to be more successful, you will become more successful. The secrets of my success and for many of the world's greatest business leaders will be revealed. Let Ditch Digger CEO mentor you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ditch Digger CEO. We've got a, a great episode ahead um, with my buddy, Jeff Friend, who uh, I admire in many ways. And you guys are going to admire him and love him just like I do. Um, before we start, I want to introduce my, my nephew, Joey Malvolti. Joey's uh, been working with me for over a year in my campaign and as well as in our business, learning how to project manage and do a lot of stuff. And uh, Joey's into entrepreneurship. So uh, we invited Joey to, to be part of this. He'll be able to fire questions away at Jeff also. Um, Joey, introduce yourself. Give, it, give us a two-minute elevator. Hi, I'm Joey Malvolti. Just like my Uncle Gary said, um, I'm from a family of 22 siblings, and I'm number 19 of 22. And wait, wait, wait. Why do you guys say it? Is that something different? I mean, what's <laughs> a, why is that so special? I know, I'm just saying I'm one of the youngest. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm very blessed to be here. There's a lot of opportunity. And um, just like uh, Jeff was saying earlier, uh, failure. So basically, uh, I'm just glad to be here. Failure. When you say failure, we mean just okay. Uh, well, just basically, well, what I mean by failure is like, when I was abandoned as a kid, it was meant, you know, as failure to leave a kid um, in in a, in a ditch. So God saw that for good. And I was, you know, dug out of the ditch and brought to America for opportunity. So you want to talk about a real ditch digger, right, Chris? <laughs> Down here, left in a ditch in Haiti. And uh, my, 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 my nephew here that uh, we love so much is, is adopted by Rose and Al and, uh, they, they adopted 18 out of 22 kids, and he's he's one of the examples of great success, right? To come from Haiti to here, and now be a, be a, an entrepreneur and hardworking guy that he is today. So, give me somebody. It's awesome. All right, so let's get on to our our, our buddy Jeff. Then again, and, and Joey. We'll learn more about Joey. Maybe we could do a separate episode just on Joey's life because it's really amazing. Okay, but uh, we'll get to Jeff Friends, my 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 good buddy for probably. Gosh, I'm, I'm thinking 15 years now, Jeff and I have been friends. And, uh, and nowadays, actually partnered in a venture that uh, Jeff's private equities group um, bought the majority interest in one of our great companies. Um, uh, my, uh, Nick Matthew was on Ditch Your CEO early on. We grew that company to be much bigger than it was back then a few years ago. And then my friend Jeff was, was an interested party in, in investing in it and bought the bought, uh, majority interest of it to where, you know, Nick and I still still are a big part of it. But Jeff is doing an amazing job as a, as a super, super sharp private equities firm that he is to, to bring value to that business. But uh, Jeff Friend, welcome today, buddy. Thanks for being there and ditch to your CEO. Hey, thanks, Gary. I appreciate it. And Joey, good to 
hear your story. I've heard a lot of great things about you. I did not realize you were 19th of 22. That's uh, that's probably more impressive than all the accomplishments to survive that, right? I mean, I'm number one of three, and uh, that was tough enough. Being 19 of 22, that takes some perseverance. Absolutely, absolutely, for sure. So, so Jeff, um, let's let's start with uh, you know I know a lot about your story, but um, uh, you know your story is one that needs to be told because it's an amazing one. Um, I love that you know I'm a, I'm a huge fan of you and, and that your your level of service to this country was exceptional. Um, your your level of leadership in business is amazing, and uh, family you know family first that you are. Um, you're a great friend, and I love love that you're on our, on the on the episode today because our our audience is going to get a get a ton out of this. So let's start with kind of you know your your upbringing, if you could, maybe maybe five minutes on your upbringing and what led you into the Navy, and then uh, then we'll go from the Navy to entrepreneurship and and uh, your your private equities world that you're so strong in today. Sure, thank you. Um, so I grew up in an Air Force family. Um, my dad was an Air Force officer. We lived all over the world. And, uh, you know, I was very blessed to have incredible parents who, um, you know, in my um, household, there were three things you didn't question. And that was the Catholic Church, the United States of America, and the United States Air Force. And, um, you know, my parents really believed that hard work and the American dream could get you anywhere. And there was nothing you couldn't do if you were willing to work for it, which is a message of joy. You know, all you have to do is be willing to roll your sleeves up and work and you can do anything. And that is a great message that I think is being lost a bit. And uh, I was just very, very fortunate that they um, kind of knocked that into my head as we moved all around the world um, until I settled in Chicago for high school. Um, after high school, I decided I wanted to go in the Air Force and serve. So I went to the Air Force Academy. I was fortunate to graduate from there and go fly F-16s for seven years. Um, flew all over the world, um, Phoenix, Madrid, Doha, Qatar for the war, for the war um, Oklahoma City, I did stints in um, Singapore, Italy, Germany. Um, so I've, I've kind of been all around, flown a variety of F-16s, flown in combat, flown in peacetime, um, did the nuke strike mission, did air to ground, did air to air, did everything um, you know that you normally would do in a 20-year career. I was fortunate to do in seven years. And so... Um, at that point, when I was 29, I decided to leave, and I'd always been enamored with Wall Street and entrepreneurial ventures, kind of like you, Gary. And, and so I went to business school to figure out how am I going to forge this path forward? How am I going to build businesses? And so I joined an investment bank in Chicago in 96 called William Blair, and for seven years there, I, I uh, financed small companies. I bought them. I sold them. Um, we did non-control financings. I took 20 companies public and just learned, you know, from a financing perspective, what do we need to do with these small companies? What makes a successful small growth company? 
um, you know, what's a high quality, successful investment look like? And so from there, I was fortunate to join one of my former clients and set up a private equity firm. Um, and he had joined um, an established firm called Edgewater. I was able to join them um, for 17 years. We grew that business very successfully, invested in 65 platform companies, all small to medium-sized growth businesses. Um, and uh, three years ago, I, I left Edgewater, although I worked with them quite a bit, and uh, joined my partner now, Pete Kirsch, at a new private equity firm called Blue Marlin Partners. And Blue Marlin invests in high-quality, small, and medium-growth stocks. Uh, we take control positions to non-control. And, uh, you know, Gary, as you mentioned, one of the investments we made was to partner with you in Pikeview America, which is a great example. You know, it's a situation where we were able to come in, partner with you and your partner, Nick Matthew, who's a terrific CEO, and really supercharged the growth. And, you know, uh, that company's tripled in a year and a half and great things going forward. So that's what we do in the, in the gamut of private equity. What we do is partner with and build businesses. We are not uh, vulture investors. We are not distressed investors. We don't like turnarounds. We like to invest in great businesses that, um, you know, through our network, through our experience, through our relationships, and through our capital, we can help build even faster. And uh, currently, just to give you a, and I'll kind of wrap this up, to give you a snapshot of Blue Marlin, we have about 450 million of equity dollars invested in 20 businesses. Um, and they're, you know, they're, um, you know, pipe locating, sewer maintenance, uh, medical billing, Dunkin' Donuts. Um, you know, we kind of joke and say the only thing sexy about Blue Marlin are our returns. Um, you know, we invest in gritty businesses. So we don't as of yet have a paving business, Gary, but you know what? We're always looking. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and that's, and that's kind of our business, right? We, we run dirty businesses, but we, we, we make them sexy with technology. Something that, uh, you know, we're doing with you at Pikeview America, and we'll continue to do that with all our businesses. But I, I like that. I didn't, I didn't know that, you know, the only thing you, you guys know is kind of something you guys talk about. The only thing sexy is what? Is your profit, is your, your the, returns? The only what? thing sexy are the returns on our investments. <laughs> and fortunately, it does have been sexy. But uh, no, I mean, you know, serving up coffee through a drive through you know, repairing sewers. Um, you know, we have a solar installation business. Um, we have a business that lays fiber in rural areas. Um, you know, these are gritty businesses that you don't uh, generally notice if you're not in our industry. But um, these are great businesses run by good people. We look for situations where people have the same values as us. They get up early, they work hard, and shockingly, they're successful. Well, we're, and, and I've, uh, again, I, I, I trusted you as my buddy. And that's the biggest reason I want, you know, if we're going to, my, par, my partner, you know the story. You, you know, these guys all heard Nick's uh, pipe, his, um, 
podcast here probably two years ago, Chris, you know better than I, but two or three years ago, we did a, we did uh, a podcast with Nick and uh, such a passionate po- podcast and, and his, uh, his aspirations and vision was, was, was very clear. We knew where we were going, what we were doing, but, but when Nick, you know, really knew he wanted to, he wanted to find a, a great partner to go to the next level. Um, you know, I didn't think we needed one, but I'm glad we did because uh, uh, Nick was excited to take some chips, chips off the table and then partner with somebody that experienced in big growth like you and your team. And boy, it's, uh, it's coming to fruition. The growth of the business is exceptional. We, we, we didn't know if we can continue to grow at the pace we're on, but boy, we sure are, and even more so. So, you know, that, that's where, you know, people like you come in, you know, as, as, we, as we know, but not often is it actually, in my experience, when, I, when I've seen my friends invest with private equities groups, have they actually come through with, it, with the right network, the right experience, and the right financial and, uh, and, and you guys are proven to have every one of those things and, and you know, more than I'd imagine. So um, thanks for that. But again, it, it, what, what makes a great private equities firm, in your opinion, Jeff, and you've been, you've been in, in a couple now, you've, you've partnered in one and now partnering in this one. Um, what, have you see, what do you see out there that uh, where those relationships fail between a private equities firm and the, and the, and the company that's acquired or partnered with? It's it's a good question because you know, for many people watching this, there are thousands of private equity firms now, and I would say that um, you know I was very fortunate to be part of two really good ones, and the difference was operating expertise, and what I mean by that is my partners now have built and run big businesses. They understand what it takes to. Um, to make payroll, to hire people, to fire people, to you know capture great customers, and they understand it better than a traditional Wall Street financier who are good and are required. And you've got to have these people because you are buying and selling businesses, financing businesses, doing transactions. But more than that, you know Nick Nathy, when he talks about team members and his team and what's best for the team. It comes through as a leader, uh, an operational leader who cares about his troops, just like when I was in the military. We didn't go anywhere alone. We went with our group. And, you know, as an officer in the in the business, I wanted my troops to eat first. I wanted my troops to be taken care of first because then they will lay down their lives for you, which is what this is about. The best businesses have that feeling where people are teams, they're partnerships, they're in there. You can trust the people you're with. You know, and maybe it's as simple as they're waking up at 5.30 and they're working hard all day for the business. Um, but but that is the key, is that operational expertise in the private equity firm is the big difference between um, success and, you know, not success. So what would you say is, a, is the biggest differentiator between uh, Blue Marlin and anybody else out there. What do you what do you what do you look at as your biggest differentiators? You know, there's a lot of good companies that can find the money. There's a lot of good ones that have some operational excellence um, and and a, and a network, right? But what differentiates Blue Marlin from anybody else in your in your opinion? So we we have a very different model. I mean, most private equity firms um, raise money from large institutional investors, uh, teachers, pension funds university endowments, um, and the like. 
our money is is all from people like you, Gary. It's from very successful operators who um, you know have done very well, want to continue to invest, and want to add value. So we have 27 individuals who are our partners. When we do a transaction, we, for example, Pipeview, which our, our investors loved, they look at the deal. Um, one of the individuals, Mike Montgomery, who is one of our partners, a very, very experienced business person in Dallas. He said, I really like this. I'll become chairman. I'll help Gary. I'll mentor Nick and I'll get involved and I'll write a big check. And so, you know, when you talk about bringing more than money to help the company, it's hard to do that better than bringing somebody like Mike Montgomery to the table. And so, you know, if you look across our investments and our investor base, it is some of the most successful business people in the country. And they are not just writing a check to partner with us. They are writing a check and then getting involved with the businesses, helping them grow uh, on behalf of the other partners. So we have a team and partnership feel with our investor base that is very unique that you can't do if you have, and there's nothing wrong with having institutional uh, investors like teachers, pension funds, or university endowments, but they're not going to help you run a company. They're, they're just not. And um, But our investor base is. You know, if I call Gary, Gary Rabin and say, Gary, you know, I have a real problem here with the workers' comp issue at this company. How would you handle this? Well, Gary's got more experience in his little finger on that issue than 25 university endowments put together. So I can actually add um, significant operational value to my company and make it more valuable. So like I said, we've got approximately 20 companies now. We're busy all day helping them with these growth issues that they confront. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, that, that's a huge advantage. And I see this a, a lot where the, where the, you know, the PEs that come in and find, you know, plenty of financial uh, tools to, to bring to the table to raise the capital. But boy, it's way more, way more valuable for any, any operator like Nick right now to have the, have the Mike Montgomery's you yourself and, and people like us on that team to, 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 to pull mentorship from, right? To, you got, you got problems. One of us has probably been through the problems before, and if, and if you can continue to build your your PE group of, of you know finance financiers that that are actually you know operators too have been there and done it before, man, that's that is a, a that's an awesome uh, differentiator for sure. So, and I you know, Gary, I, I have a saying that I I generally think for progress to be made, a mistake has to be made somewhere. The trick on that is. Um, don't make the same mistake twice and learn from other people's mistakes. And the, the good news is in our group of 29, 29 roughly investors right now, we've made every mistake in the book. <laughs> and so we can share that with our companies and tell them, you know, hey, you, you might want to try that. It sounds good, but here's the downside to it. I tried it. It didn't work. And, and that's, invaluable for these these young companies absolutely sharing sharing experience is the most valuable way to, to, to get through these challenges and hopefully avoid your own you know, mistakes and your own setbacks right so yeah, yeah you've uh you, you know 
you by yourself are a wealth of information for, for Nick to be a um, partner with, but I know you, you know, you continue to provide him with amazing minds and that's invaluable. Um, yeah, that's a big differentiator. When, when you look at, uh, you know, the future uh, of, of Blue Marlin, where, where do you feel like you, you guys want to go? Where, you know, what's the direction you're going to go in besides bigger, better, whatever? I mean, what, what, are, your, what are your feelings? What, what's your, what are your goals? So our, our number one objective and the reason we exist is to bring great investments to our partners. And um, we've been doing that. Um, you know, we, um, as I said, we've, We've done approximately 26 deals. We've exited six, um, done 20. And the rate of transactions and the size of good transactions keeps going up. Because what is happening in our model is that the Gary Rabines, the Scott Breckmans, our other partners are bringing us the deals that they're very interested in. And again, similar to... Um, you know, I use this thing, university endowments are great, but they aren't calling private equity funds that they're invested in with deal opportunities. They they just don't have it. But Gary knows, you know, you know, a hundred CEOs, they're building great businesses. And when they um, want to finance and they want a good partner, hopefully we're a, a quick call. So we're getting so many of those calls from our trusted general partner investors that um, we're able to do that. So, so the number of deals we're doing every year is going up. The success of those deals has stayed constantly good. And the amount of money we're putting into each deal is going up. Um, when I started, my partner and I had, you know, three people. We've now got 11. We'll grow our staff. Um, uh, to be able to service our investors and our deals. And um, and we'll just do more and more deals and bigger and bigger deals um, and just produce great returns for our investors. That's um, that's kind of the win-win-win all the way around. That's awesome. Tell, tell me, tell us where your, your uh, leadership came from. I mean, you're, you're raised by good parents and all of them. Tell them what maybe you're up and bringing just a little bit and, uh, you know, maybe a couple of people you look upon in your life that said, man, I want to be like that, right? As you grew up and you matured into a leader in the, in, in the Air Force, a, a pilot, you know, a fighter pilot, all these cool, cool things you've been doing in your life. You know, who'd you look upon and, and, and you thought about that's who I want to be, right? Yeah, that's great. So I, um, I've been very blessed to be exposed to incredible leaders and, and incredibly high quality people my entire life because I was in the Air Force, which is incredible. My dad was a, uh, an unbelievably um, uh, solid value, good leader. Uh, I went to the Air Force Academy, which is a four-year leadership lab. And what they do there is teach you first to be a follower. You have to be a great follower first before you can ever be a great leader. So you spend your first year, which you know at West Point is called a plebe year, at Air Force, it's called your dually year. You spend your dually year learning to be a great follower, learning to be part of the team, learning to put the team's interest ahead of your own, learning to be honest, uh, hardworking. And um, uh, then from there, you take successively uh, more intense leadership roles. You're a, um, you're a, um, uh, until as a senior at the Air Force Academy, 
you're a cadet officer and you're leading the 4,000 people of the cadet wing. And then you graduate, you become a second lieutenant in the Air Force. And immediately you're in a real life situation, meaning you're in combat in many cases, you're 22 and you're leading people that are, you know, as, as old as 50, um, large groups of people in life and death situations. And so um, for me in the, in the fighter world, it's a little different when you employ in combat, which I did, you, you are in your own aircraft by yourself, but you're with 16 other men and women that are working together to achieve whatever, whatever objective. And they're all extremely high quality. They're all extremely smart. They're all leaders in their own uh, right. And so it's when I went to Wall Street, it, it felt very similar um, because it's a, um, it, it's, a, it's a very, very educated, very aggressive, very type A kind of world. Um, and leadership there is different than, you know, leadership where you've got 100 people in the field, for example. Um, so uh, that's what I did. You know, the greatest commander, the greatest leader I ever had was my leader in the Gulf. When I was in the Gulf War, uh, I was a 23-year-old lieutenant, one of the younger people in the squadron. We had 40 pilots, and the commander was an individual named Lieutenant Colonel Bruce Wright, who was, you know, the the um, gray old age near death of 38. And, um, you know, we couldn't believe how old uh, Bruce Wright was, but he was an incredible leader. And, you know, leadership is lonely sometimes. You know, when we would come back from a mission and we lost some aircraft and it was, you know, we lost pilots and we would come back the lieutenants, of which there are 10, could sit and go in and commiserate and talk about our feelings and discuss, you know, what happened. The commander, man, it's lonely at the top. He would, he didn't have anybody else to talk to. He had to put forward, forward a good face. He had to keep everybody motivated and not panicky. And yet, I know that when he went back to his room and he sat down and he said, wow, we lost two people today and wanted to talk it out with somebody, but he couldn't because he was a leader. And so, um, you know, that's one of the, one of the reasons that I like your YPO group because it gives these leaders somebody else to talk to that are in their situation. Um, you know, and, but, but in the combat situation, when we were deployed to Doha, and we were flying combat sorties every day and losing people, commander doesn't have anybody to talk to. They have to fall back on their morals and their work ethic and, and just doing what's right. And so leadership a lot of times is nothing more than, um, you know, getting out of bed in the morning and doing what's right. You know, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs gave a speech last year that many of you have seen where he said, if you want to change the world, start by making your bed, which I thought was a great, um, a great quote. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a great, that was a great speech, actually. I remember seeing that. And it, so that, that uh, commander was one person you look upon as an amazing leader that, that uh, inspired you to, to say, man, I, that's, I'm going to be a leader in my life. And, 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 you, and you chose to continually lead. 
Yeah, and, and Bruce Wright, who was our commander 30 years ago, you know, when he emails me to this day, I sit up a little straighter. I think a little more before I re- respond to this because he is he is a guy that always did what was right, commanded everyone's respect, led from the front, never asked anybody to do anything he wouldn't do first, and um, was just an impressive individual. So, and you see that across the military, you see these um, men and women leaders that are that are just incredible, um, and fortunately translate later to great success in the business world. Well, and great and great leaders are built on on failure and, and uh, you know great challenges. Build great leaders, right? What what in your life, whether it be military or business, maybe a couple examples of you know big failures or big challenges that happen within your life that that you learned a lot from that, that you'll never make again or you make sure don't happen again, right? Um yeah, I mean listen, you you definitely again you you learn the most from failure. Hopefully it's somebody else's failure that you observe, but you know, everybody makes errors. You know, one of the one of the greatest things that I had go wrong, um, which I learned a lot from was when I was in pilot training, I was learning to fly high performance jet aircraft. And I went on my second solo. So I'm the only person in the jet. As you can imagine, it is a, um, it is high stress. When, when that plane leaves the ground and this is a, a Mach one capable trainer. Um, and you know, I wasn't even, I wasn't even sure in a good day, whether I could land it much less encounter a problem. And um, I took off on my second solo and had one of the engines quit. And that is a, that's a bad day. You know, I'm on my, I'm on my second solo. I don't even know if I can land with everything working right. And one of the engines quits, which makes landing much, much harder. And so I came back to land. I landed the plane. I, I felt very proud of myself, you know, like, wow, that was, you know, I can, I can do anything. I went into the squadron for my victory lap, and the, uh, the 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 supervisor of flying called me over. He said, "Hey, great job! You lost an engine on your second solo. You recovered the jet. You didn't die. You didn't cause the la- loss of taxpayer money. Great job! I just have one question for you." And I said, "What's that? I mean, you know, I'm me. I just I'm a hero here." And he said. Why did you land on the wrong runway? And I said, what do you mean the wrong runway? He said, you landed on a completely a runway you should have never landed on. And I said, oh, wow. You know, I, was, I was a little busy. Uh, oh, shoot. And so, you know, in the flying business, landing on the wrong runway is bad. Like, that's, that's about as bad as it gets. So that was a very humbling um, thing for my 23 year old self. And, um, what it taught me is, you know, um, number one, be humble. And number two, you know, even when things are going, going wrong, keep your head, you know, and keep checking and never be complacent. And, you know, we see that again with the companies we invest in that, and everybody watching this knows that you, um, you think everything's going great and you get a little complacent and you don't check, and that's when things start going wrong. And you also, on the other end, when things are great, you have to be humble. 
because, um, you know, at any moment you can land on the wrong runway. And, uh, you know, uh, so I'm glad I learned that early. That's all, that's cool. Okay. So like, when, it, when you, when you fought for our country, you know, and, and um, you know, risked your life for our country and all that, and you, you what, what did you think? I mean, did you realize all the freedoms that you're fighting for? Did you realize that at that point that we were the greatest country in the world and, and no other country has the blessings we have? Did you realize all that as a young guy or, or, or is it, is it more later on in life that you, you realize those things, even when you did fight for our country? Well, I was, I was very fortunate to realize that early, you know, I grew up in this Air Force family where those values got really uh, into me more than that. Both my parents came from immigrant families. Um, I think that Im the immigrant nature of our country is one of our greatest strengths. Uh, and I am in favor of, you know, constant um, uh, mixing bowl, bringing in of great uh, immigrants from around the world. Um, but but the um, going to the Air Force Academy kindles this little flame of patriotism you have into a kind of bonfire. And so I've, I do feel that America is an exceptional country in the history of the world. There's never been an experiment like what our founding fathers put together 225 years ago. And we have to stay true to what they really wanted, although evolving it for the reality of today, which, which is what they wanted us to do. You know, we have the greatest democracy. We have the greatest freedom. We want to be free from, you know, government oversight and uh, regulation. We want to be free to pursue whatever freedom, you know, we see fit. And um, as long as we stay true to that, you know, we're going to be a powerhouse, a powerhouse of ideas, of economics, um, and we're going to lead the world morally in that regard, too. Um, we have failures in our country through our 200 years, as every country does. What I'm proud of right now is how we're addressing those and fixing them and making a more just society. Um, and that's that's absolutely what we should do. It's what the greatest country should do. And if you look around the world, I'm very proud of how we're doing it compared to everybody else. Um, I, I really do think we're leading in this. We're, we're kind of leading with our chin and saying, yes, we've made a lot of errors. Um, and we're fixing them. And uh, so I'm, I'm very, very bullish for the outcome for the United States. I think there's a lot of things we've got to fix. Um, you know, I, I see... It's interesting because we have 50 states out there that are pursuing all different strategies on these kind of issues. And, you know, Gary, the one you're sitting in is, is making some strange uh, moves, in my opinion, uh, if they want to be a free state um, that builds business, is welcoming to everyone, and grows their economy and grows their freedom. So, yeah, well, uh, the one. The one I'm sitting in is Florida, and I'm here because uh -huh. the one that I usually sit in in Illinois is making a lot of mistakes, as you're saying, to push business, entrepreneurs, innovation out of the state. And uh, innovators like myself and like you, which you know we've lived there for a long time, are not going to stay in a state that abuses you know innovation and and uh, uh, growing growing businesses, growing job creators, and uh, 
unfortunately, they're, they're continuing to go in the wrong direction. But, you know, the good thing is, like you said, there's 50 states. And, uh, you know, states like Florida, your state, Colorado, many states across the country are taking advantage of this free, free market, this free enterprise system. And they're growing their states when states like Illinois are, are abusing job creators, in my opinion, and losing, you know, losing people and families every day, unfortunately. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, still an Illinoisan, but uh, I'm really I'm really looking at Florida as another alternative to, to make my 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 full time home right now. Right. And uh, it, it bothers me to say that I'm doing that. But we're crazy if we don't. When, when a state keeps telling you that uh, we need more of your more of your more of your hard earned uh, income and, um, you know, and, and they penalize you to hire people. Right. You go somewhere where, where where you get better customer service, and that's states like Florida, Tennessee, Texas, and 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 many others. But so the beauty, like you said, beauty of this great country is fifty different states, and people will walk um, as they get abused and financially, right? Whether it's a homeowner, overtaxed homeowner, or a overtaxed business, right? And Gary, that's the way it should work. You know, if you think about what our founding fathers set up with our constitutional republic, 50 states are free and and we want states to have the rights to set their own local kind of agendas. But we're in an era of uh, freedom and unprecedented mobility. And so people can vote. People can go where they want. They can move to Illinois if they think those are the best policies. They can move to Florida if they think those are the best policies. And over time, you'll see in the migration through the United States w- what the best policies are going to be. And so um, you have this great market, which will only get better as mobility gets even better. And so states that are passing, uh, whatever states they are, that are passing um, terrible policies are going to lose people over time. And they're going to, they're going to, decline in influence, they're going to decline in congressional seats. So this will all work out over time. As long as we stay true to these values that we talked about of uh, democracy and freedom and, um, you know, be a welcoming place for people around the world that want to come for the American dream and build something, have the freedom to get up in the morning, roll their sleeves up and build something. That's what we have to protect, period. As long as we have that, we'll do great. Absolutely. I, we're, we're aligned on all that for sure. And, and uh, appreciate your support and, uh, and stuff I've done in my life, uh, business-wise and politically. So thank you. Thank you, buddy. Um, okay, so hey, when we look at, um, you know, Jeff Fred, the family guy, the, the God-loving guy, the family guy, tell us about your family. I know a little bit about your family, what a, what a great family you got, but tell us about what you're doing family-wise and, and, and what your aspirations are for your, for your kids to be in the future. So I'm, I'm optimistic about the future of our country. I'm optimistic about the future for my family. Um, uh, six kids, four of my own, two step kids. I have three grandkids. Um, uh, everybody is doing well, four in college and grad school and two out the door. Um, and, um, my kids are very entrepreneurial. They want to set up businesses. One of them is looking at the military. Um, we have one becoming a doctor. Um, we have um, two in business. One is going to be kind of a Wall Streeter. 
and one is very entrepreneurial. So we've got a good mix across the board of people doing a bunch of different things. Um, you know, I uh, uh, just tell each one of them, my only goal is the best for you. I'm here to help you. You've got to do it. And you tell me the direction, you know, that you want to go. I'm here to help you do it. Uh, I'm not here to do it for you. And um, fortunately, that's resonated. They all work hard. They're doing great. And, um, you know, it's what, it's what you could wish for your kids. Awesome. So it's not like you're, you're not telling them what to do or, or how to do it. You're, just, you're basically leading by example. And I know who you are. You're leading by example. And your kids are following their dreams, knowing that hey, leadership is a is a is a great place to be, and and they, they probably understand a little better than most kids by watching you. Yeah, and I I I think you know that um, uh, each path is different, and every kid is different. Expectations for kids are different. With my kids, some my expectations for certain kids are higher than others because of their personalities and, and their likes sure. and what they want. And so you want to facilitate that. And, um, and everybody has problems. Everybody at some point lands on the wrong runway and you got to work that through, right. And make it a learning experience. Absolutely. So I, Joey's got a couple of questions for you. I think uh, let, I want him to fire a question or two at you. And then we're going to close out with uh, with Chris going over the lessons learned and stuff. But go ahead, Joy, fire away. Uh, well, I first wanted to say, Jeff, it's a blessing to be able to sit here with you and and uh, hear your amazing story. And I also want to say thank you so very much for serving our country. Uh, it means a lot to me, especially coming from a uh, third world country where it's uh, highly um communist country so coming here to a uh, free opportunity to learn grow and be an entrepreneur is people like you giving up your lives for us so thank you you're welcome uh, so i wanted to start off with um how did you maintain your relationship with your family while achieving such high levels of success um that's a good question. Um, and it's hard. That's one of the hard things because when you're grinding at whatever job you're in, um, you know, whatever spouse or both spouses are grinding and you're trying to raise kids, there's like five jobs involved there. Right. You know, I, I when I had young kids and I was working a hundred hours a week and my spouse was trying to manage everything, um, it's a lot going on. So, so at that point, you've got to have, you, you, you know, the most important life, the most important decision you make in life is who you marry. If you choose to get married and you've got to get that one right. And if you do, um, the rest will fall from that. And then as we talked about earlier, you've got to approach every day that you're going to wake up. And if you want to build something, you get, you're going to roll your sleeves up and work. And whether that's building a family or building a business or building a country or helping a state like Gary, uh, fortunately for us, all of us was willing to try to do, um, it's going to take a lot of hard work. And so as long as you have that mentality that you're just going to work hard every day and try to do the right thing, um, everything else will fall. So, yep. What else you got, buddy? Thank you. Um, 
what aspect of your success are you most proud of? Hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm, I'm the most proud of two things. I'm most proud of how all of my kids have turned out. I'm very proud of them. They're good people. They're moral. They're fun. Um, they're hardworking. And um, they don't get everything right. I don't get everything right. But they get a lot of it right. And so that's good. And I'm also extremely proud personally of serving the country. Um, you know, I, I really love being an Air Force officer. I tell every kid that's thinking about it that, you know, if you look at most people in the military, most men and women that serve, they will tell you it was the height of their, it was the best thing in their life. And most of their best friends are from that time. And so what I tell these kids is you don't have to go in the military, but why would you pass on something that will be the best thing you ever do in your life? And um, that kind of hits home to a lot of them. So I'm very proud. I, I was very proud to serve. Um, I still continue to serve I'm on the board of the Air Force Academy. Um, and uh, that's very important to me to make sure our Air and Space Academy is the best, the best in the world. Awesome. Anything else, Joey? Um, I have another question. Uh, so what was your most biggest fear that you had to overcome? And then a second question with that question is, uh, what would you want to be remembered? Uh, wait one second. Uh, so big, biggest fear in business and military? Yeah. Yeah, the biggest fear in business is just failure. You know, you I'm, I'm in a group, fortunately, uh, I know a lot of people and I, uh, I have a lot of people depending on me. I don't want to let them down. I want to do well for them. And, um, and, and in our business, that means producing great investment returns. If I tell somebody, I think this will be a good investment, I, I want to be true to that. I'm going to, I'm going to die trying. So that's really, really important for me. Fortunately, that's, that's kind of worked out. Um, in the military, um, you know, uh, I, I, uh, for me personally in the flying business, you know, I had no exposure to, I'd never been a private pilot. I didn't really know how to fly. And in one year I went from a standing start to soloing a supersonic trainer in the dual jet trainer in the air force. And, you know, the, the first time I, I took off solo in that, it was, <laughs> that was that took some, uh, I had a sleepless night the night before that. And, um, uh, you know, when I came back out around and landed and then the first time I did a night solo and I was by myself in this thing at night, and had to get it back. Um, I'm, I'm pretty proud of surmounting those sleepless nights the night before that. But, uh, but then like everything, you know, it becomes old hat. Um, so I'm proud I've made it through that. Awesome, awesome. Hey, one one thing I'd, I'd ask you is, uh, when you look at CEOs, when you're when you're investing in or buying a company, Jeff, what is what's one trade or value core value that you look for that you must have before you before you buy that company or invest in a company? So, so the number one thing is honesty. Um, I have to because of my style, which is which is 
partnership and teamwork. And um, I'd like to like them as well, but I, I can't invest if I have any questions about the integrity or the honesty of the CEO because I'm going to work so carefully with that person. And when they ask me something, I'm going to tell them what the answer is, even if it's not popular and it's not what they want to hear. I'm going to tell them what the truth is because um, number one, it's the right thing to do, but also pragmatically, it's a better way to do business. It'll, yeah. it'll make, it'll make the leadership of the company and the company do well. Where, where I have had problems is when CEOs deviated from that and, I didn't see it coming and, you know, I, I have worked with some people that, that lacked in that area and it was a problem. Um, so I would say to everybody out there, there's nothing more important for building a team than integrity. 100%. I, I agree with you. That's awesome. Chris, uh, finish, finish out for us. Our hours are going to be up here pretty soon and we, we can talk to this guy for days and get tons more on it. But uh yeah. Tell us, tell us the, the, the things you picked up here and when you look at the, you know, irreputable, you know, really reasons for success. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Jeff, thank you so much for sharing your time and, and for your service. Uh, you know, it's an honor just to talk with you and, and hear your story. And, you know, I, I've always been a huge fan of uh, fighter pilots um, and, and seeing Top Gun Maverick this past summer just, you know, took that to an 11. So it's really just super exciting to, to see you. Um, so the, the first thing, uh, that I, that I love that you said, the, the only sexy thing about, uh, Blue Marlin is, are the returns on their investments. I think that's a, that's a great claim to fame there. Um, feed your people first, the best businesses focus on this, um, bring more than money to help the company grow. It sounds like you guys are really have that dialed in. Uh, for progress to be made, a mistake has to be made, but don't make the same mistake twice. And if possible, learn from other people's mistakes before you make that mistake. It's lonely at the top. Commanders have no one to talk to. Um, so that's one reason YPO is, is so helpful. Um, if you want to change the world, start by making your bed. That's incredibly simple and powerful. Um, always lead from the front. Um, you learn the most from failures. Be humble, and even when things go wrong, keep your head. At any moment, you could land on the wrong runway. Um, don't tell people what to do. Lead them by example. Um, I love this. The, the most important decision in life is, is who you're going to marry. And the number one thing to look for uh, in investments is honesty. So thank you so much, Jeff. Hey, thanks, Chris. Yeah, yeah no, it was great, great stuff, Jeff. You know, and, and, and uh, you know, a couple of things I like really, you know, about you is in fact that you know you you really do add value to anything you do. You you're the type of guy that doesn't even want to be part of something if you can't add value. Um, that's probably the, the the first thing I see in you is a guy that first wants to add value, and then hey, if it works out, you, you know, you'd be a partner too. You've you've asked. You've been there for me, and, and when I've had questions about potential partnerships or things I want to do, um, never selfishly for yourself, always more for you know to add value. And then, hey, if it's a fit for you, you you'd come along like you have in, in Pipe Through America, right? And so, just like that, you know, your your private equities group, you've got investors that add value. Otherwise, you probably don't have them. I mean, your, your investors aren't just money; 
there are people that are going to you know, really build your network, your inside uh, you know, network that to, to add incredible value to your partners. So uh, that, that's huge. I really appreciate that about you a lot. Um, also appreciate your, your, your family focus. You know, your kids are, are great kids. Um, you know, I've watched you around your family and you're, you're, you're amazing uh, example to them. And, and, and with, with, with four, with six kids all together, um, one of the most important thing we do is raise great human beings. I know you're, you're about that first. So, um, and then, and lastly, thanks so much for your service, buddy. You're, you know, you're, the, you're the type of person that, uh, you know, fighting, fighting for, for, for freedom and free enterprise, you know, on the field in the air, it was amazing, right? Now, as an entrepreneur, you're going to you're going you're to take advantage of what you fought for, and and as well as create opportunities for other people the rest of your life. So, um, you're you're the you're the perfect guy that, uh, that I want to hang around with the rest of my life. So, thanks for all you do, buddy. I appreciate you, and I know my my listeners are going to appreciate you and your and your lessons today. So, you're welcome, and and thanks to you and Joey as well for the good questions and Joey. You know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait eagerly for your podcast because I want to hear about you know the life skills from being 19 of 22. I mean, yeah. that's gotta be uh, that's gotta be amazing. True, no doubt about it. We're gonna do that one. I agree. <laughs> well, thanks, Rod. Thanks a lot for everything, uh, Jeff. Really appreciate being here today. And uh, until next time, uh, Ditch Digger CEO, be safe. See ya. Hey, Jeff, real quick, where can our listeners find out more about you, uh, websites? Um, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn or bluemarpartners.com. Great. Okay. Thank all you right. all. Thanks so much, Jeff. Thanks, buddy. Okay. Appreciate you. If you enjoy this show, please share with anyone else you think will find value here. And please go to our website, ditchdiggerceo.com, for show notes, links, video clips, and more nuggets of entrepreneurial wisdom. Don't forget to follow me on social media at ditchdiggerceo.
see 